you, the the intentions are everything. And I think, as I said earlier, I think you know deep down when where where you've crossed that that moral uh, or that high watermark that you've set mm. that level where you say, well, you know, I don't, I can't keep on doing. I can't keep on doing this because it's, so it's tell me exactly how, wrong. Yeah, how did you, how did you literally make that and 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 carry that decision out? I went away on uh, vacation, and I came back to find out that two lionesses that I had a very deep uh, bond with had been sold, sure. and and so I made a uh, I, I, I made a stink to get them back and so eventually uh, it was agreed that I could get them back and I had to go and and uh, I had to go to the facility where they were uh, sold to <clears throat> to um, identify them and bring them home mm. and and that was a, a big defining moment uh, because it was I suppose this realization to to, to see what you had heard but now to see it for your for yourself, mm-hmm. and to see a lion a lion farm that was uh, prepping for hunting, mm. and to to know that these two lionesses, one of which is still in my care mm. and now almost eighteen years of age, she would have been she would have been killed, and she would have been an endless lion producing machine. She would have been a battery. I call her a battery lion, mm. like a battery chicken, exactly, just yeah. popping out cubs. Yeah, and her, her and her sister, Megan, Amy, and that was a defining moment. But it wasn't a a moment whereby now I knew that I could come home and just pack my bags and put all the lines on the back of a truck and leave. Yeah, it it was a lot more complex than that because there was a lot of. <laughs> What's your life story? to inspirational interviews with Jen Rod, where you will discover everyday brave hearts connecting with their truth. Find out what inspires them to do what they love, how they got here and why they never give up. Be inspired by these stories to create your beautiful life with your host, Jen Rod. Hi guys, welcome back to Inspirational Interviews. So a lot of you know the Lion Whisperer, and for those of you that don't, well, yeah, I mean, it's in the name, right? The Lion Whisperer. Uh, Kevin Richardson has a sanctuary in South Africa, and basically, um, yeah, he he is looking after um, the last few lions that were um, uh, the result of lions that were actually bred for, uh, they call it uh, canned lions. And um, yeah, just a stunning life story of a man who was working in the industry, let's say on the wrong side of the fence and at a certain moment realized, hold on a second, is this what I want with my life? And is this what I actually believe in? Because, you know, let's face it, often we end up in something uh, from the surface level. We see, oh, wow, this looks like a cool job or this looks like a cool career. And, you know, we go for it. And then suddenly when we're in it, we realize, Uh, wait, hold on a second, Um, this isn't really me. So it's an amazing story of someone who um, 
you know, really talks about the evolution of his life. And that's what we, yeah, are all going through as human beings. And it's just stunning to, you know, to connect with someone who shares that and, you know, just goes through the, yeah, the different stages of, of the evolution within his life and talks about climbing mountains to, to get there. So super cool, um, triumphant story. I love it. And I can't wait to click in with that in a minute. Before I do guys, uh, go to Instagram, check me out there. I've started doing little live clips as well. So you can put a face to a voice. Um, I always find it strange when you're listening to someone's podcast and you're hearing their voice and you're wondering like, you know, what do they look like? Who are they? You know, who are they really? So yeah, I've just started doing these little live clips so you can uh, get to know me um, just on a one-on-one basis. Um, share this with friends. Sharing is caring. Uh, there's nothing more appreciated than when you receive a story from a friend who has enjoyed it. So if you know friends who would love life stories, then share this on with them because... Um, yeah, this is how we grow amazing stories. This is how we spread amazing, um, uh, yeah, actions out there. This is how we spread the word of what brave hearts are doing. So please share this on with friends and family and whoever would enjoy this sort of conversation. For those of you guys, as I always say, I offer interview services. So let me know if you're needing anyone to help you with interviews or set up uh, talk shows. I do boutique talk shows as well, so I can help you with that. And yeah, if you have any questions, just send me an email, jen at inspirationalinterviews.com. Go to the website, subscribe, and every week you'll get a super cool life story just like this one with Kevin. So guys, without any further ado, let's give a warm welcome for Kevin Richardson, the Lion Whisperer. So just for all of you guys listening, quick one, Paul Gardner introduced us and um, yeah, we, we're actually all mutually South African and uh, Paul's an avid conservationist. You can check out his interview. Um, if you just go search Paul, you'll find his interview there. And uh, yeah, he put me on to, to Kevin because he's inspired by Kevin. And then that for me is uh, an absolute must to sort of explore who this person was, you know. So for me, I don't, as, as all these interviews, I don't have all the background information. I just know a gist of of my guests and sort of we go in from here and we find out how huh, Kevin we're going to find out your life story now so um yeah so let's yeah t tell tell our audience Kevin for the guys that don't know you because um after Paul mentioned you you know obviously I wanted to go and see who you were so I just went on onto your Instagram briefly but then I was like Im immensely shocked by how many people actually love your work so you know you've obviously built up an amazing following of yeah, of fans, people, whatever, enthusiasts of, of the work that you do, but not everyone knows who you are. So tell, just give us a sort of nutshell version of how you would describe yourself. Yeah, uh, it's difficult to sum yourself up um, because it's... It's kind of cool, though. A, <laughs> you think? Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a product of, of many decades of work, I think. So... I think that's that's the sum up is, is if you took me back 22 years when I first started working with lions, um, the evolution of Kevin as a character is very different now to who I was then. Mm. And, um, and and I think that's an important thing for me is to keep on evolving and to to realize that, you know, the more I know, the less I know. Um, mm. And I know that's a bit of a cliched statement, but it's so true. It's true. Yeah. Um, it is true, you know, and uh, 
I think a lot of my fan base who's followed me for a long time will will see that evolution. Obviously, the people who come on now, if they jump on onto the bandwagon now, they they see you know somebody um, who maybe inspires them or who they're intrigued by. Yeah. But I, I think to to answer your question, um, I think um, what I like to see myself as is a is a voice for lions, and both in captivity and the wild. And I think. Lions need a voice. Um, I know Paul's obviously chatted probably a lot about rhino, um, but but lions need a voice. They almost seem to be this species that flies under the radar, and uh, it's almost in this conservation blind spot. And uh, there's a lot of obviously great organisations doing good work, but I think with the with the way the world works with social media and following and 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 whatnot, you've got to grab people's imaginations and attentions. Mm. And if you don't, they move on and they move on. So you could have the the best message in the world, you know, but if it doesn't attract people or or keep people interested, Mm. it's lost. Mm. And and so that's what I try and do with the social uh, media is just, you know, give give people a little bit of that entertainment value that they are, are desperately craving captivate mm. the imagination and then give them information and, and educate them. Yeah. Um, and that's my audience. I think, you know, the, 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 the following that I have is a, is a audience that continually um, it's, it's an audience that continually comes back and is, is, is learning all the time. They keep back coming back with questions and it's yeah. a continual thing, um, which is great. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, I think that's where I'm at. I'm at a, at a point where, if I can inspire people uh, like Paul um, to be better people, it doesn't have necessarily have to be with a conservation initiative. Mm. It could be just being a be a better person. I think the world um, could do with uh, better people. People just being nicer, <laughs> nicer yeah. to each other. Yeah. Um, and so I try and use my platforms for that. And obviously, I mean, if people are doing what they love, then they just by default become better people, right? So. Um... Yeah. I would agree with that. And it's difficult for people to sometimes find out what it is they love. I've always, you know, in many a time in my life, I've heard people say, follow your passion. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's easy if you know what your passion is. Mm. Um, you know, the day before I met uh, two lion cubs called Town Napoleon, or they later became known as Town Napoleon. Yeah. I would never have known that my passion would be lions, you know. So my passion prior to that, um, was what I knew and what I was introduced to, which was, was a- animals. Uh, but but particularly, I had a, a had an affinity for um, birds uh, okay. and the feather type, the feather type, yeah. not the <laughs> not the two legged walking <laughs> the human type. Human type. The human yeah. type were also I also had a fascination for, but <laughs> but, but certainly <laughs> certainly I had a, a good interest in, in in the feather type and and that kind of you know, led me to um, the introduction to lions. But the the following the passion, you know, like a lot of people say to me, oh, well, you know, it's easy for you. You're so passionate about lions. But the day after meeting these two lions, I still wouldn't have said to you that I'm passionate about lions. Mm-hmm. It was a developing um, thing. And then it became a passion. Yeah. And, and, and so, so it, it, you know, follow your passion for me is always a, a weird kind of, thing to say to people because some people might not know what that 
is. Well, and, yeah, and and, and, so. and you can connect to that because you know that you didn't know that also at one no. point. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, well, I, like, because you're talking about this, you know, I, I always say, you know, go everything, like just write a list of everything. You know what I mean? I always say to people, write a list of everything and go and do it. Like, obviously, don't go and buy the whole freaking or go and enroll and become a doctor like once off, but go be a shadow. Go shadow yeah. a doctor. If it's being an artist, then go get a couple of, you know, uh, canvases and some paint and pretend to be an artist for, for six months. Be it. Just say you're an artist. Paint every yeah. day. You know, so I always say to people, whatever it is that you think you like, go and do it. Go and be it. Like, be it. Call yeah. yourself it, you know. But so what, so just, okay, not everyone knows that you actually live with lions. So, and, you know, guys, you can go check out um, Keith's, uh, I mean, Kevin's page on, on sorry. It's okay, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> now that's one, one, we're even. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Good. You can go and check out Kevin's page. Um, which is what is the the name of your page again on Instagram? Just Line Whisperer SA. That's it, Josh. But it's not Kevin Richardson, so it's Line Whisperer SA. And you can obviously see all his amazing work and photographs, and yeah, just intimacy with these lions. But um, you know, just explain your physical situation. I mean, you live with these lions, right? Well, I mean, I wouldn't say I do have a family, human family. You also uh, have a I, human that, family. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also have a human family. Do you do you um, acknowledge that? <laughs> I, I do. I do. Yeah. I, I, I do relate to human beings. Um, <laughs> look, the, the, the lion relationships have just generally speaking just developed over time. And, and so, you know, I often liken it to just, you know, your dog becomes part of your family. Yeah. Um, anyone who's ever owned a dog or a cat or whatever the animal may be, a pet, will understand when I say that, you know, you don't, um, after a period of time, see that animal as an animal. You, you know it's an animal, but you see it as part of the family. Yeah. You include it in your family pictures and you, you talk about it as if it's a, a person. You talk about it by name and people would think it's your, you know, your other daughter or son if, if they didn't know any better. but. Mm. So the lions have become my extended family too. And so that's, that's how I see them. And so I spend a lot of time with them. Um, I don't um, sleep over <laughs> in, the, in the areas where they, where they are. Um, and it's basically for, for people out there who don't know what I, I have. It's, I, I run a sanctuary um, for lions and hyenas and leopards. And, you know, these... These are animals that were all um, part of an industry that I was part of too uh, for, for a while, um, and and you know I just I didn't like uh, the industry and I wanted to try and make a difference by by um, extricating myself from it and then you know trying to go along a path of of being a voice mm. and and trying to tell people about these animals' lives because and giving them a quality of life that they. They actually don't then just exist because what what saddens me is is a lot of animals that live a captive life um, just exist. Uh, it's just you know it, it's just very sad to see when you know lions and hyenas and leopards as intimately as I do. Then yeah. you, you can't you can't be okay with that. Um, yeah. And and so you know I try and give them a quality of life by by taking them out for 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 walks and. Letting them just be lions and letting them just do what they want to do and 
And then, um, you know, ultimately they all come back and they all do, they all, go, you know, go back to their areas because they're not um, free roaming lions and they never will be and they can't be. So it's just, you know, giving them a quality of life and then using them as ambassadors for their species to speak up about yeah. um, the issues that yeah. lions are facing, both in the wild and in captivity. Yeah. So how did how did these you said to be a part of an industry? What did you mean by that? Well, there's there's an industry, a well-known industry in South Africa, um, whereby lions are bred, um, and then the cubs are, are are removed from their mothers for uh, people to come and pet. So tourists from all around the world will uh, pay money and come and interact with these cute, cuddly mm -hmm. cubs. Mm -hmm. And then those cute, cuddly cubs get bigger. And then what developed in South Africa was this walking with lions experience, whereby people could walk with a slightly older lion, slightly bigger than a cub. It's mm -hmm. still not dangerous enough to really, um, you know, hurt you. Yeah. Some of them, some of them do and some of them can, but the tourist gets an experience. And then when they get older than that so when the lions are reaching about 16 months to two years old mm. then they are, are way too dangerous because they're becoming quite uh, formidable animals and then they sure. get um either parked off until they grow up uh, until they get these big manes and then they get shipped off to other farms where they potentially can be trophy hunted which we call canned lion hunt hunting in south africa yeah and then and then an even more um, disgusting industry that's opened up as a result is the lion bone industry, which these bones of these lions that have been murdered is what I call it, not not hunted. Yeah, they get murdered and then they get the bones get shipped off to Asia, to Southeast Asia, and uh, they get uh, ground up and put into all these potions and lotions. Um, much like the rhino, that. the rhino. Scenario. Much like same, 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 same places. And yeah. you know, it's it's tiger bone wine. The lion bone and the tiger bone are very similar to the naked eye. You won't tell it, tell the difference. And so the the lion bone gets put into tiger bone cake, tiger bone wine, tiger bone uh, tiger bone balm. All of these kind of um, um, things that are used uh, in in uh, traditional. Chinese medicine or just in status and, uh, you know, uh, mm. status and, and wealth symbols. Mm. Um, and, and so that's the, when I talk about the industry, that's yeah. the industry okay. of the captive lion in South Africa. Wow. You know, coming from South Africa, growing up in, you know, my dad did hunt, but we ate the food. Like I have yeah. eaten the meat, you know, I've had to eat the, the raw liver, you know, it's like really traditional, proper control, professional stuff. Um, so it's always a, a, a difficult conversation, but you know, if you're a professional, like a professional, but also you, you eat what you, what you hunt, you know, you grow up in an environment where you respect the whole situation. Well, you know, Jenna, the, the professional hunters absolutely disassociate from, uh, this canned hunting industry. Exactly. The professional hunting industry won't even consider, don't even consider them to be, uh, hunters. So that's, that's when, when you've got you know, an industry turning on, on itself, so to speak, then it speaks volumes for what, what's happening. Mm. Um, they don't, they don't see it as hunting. Interesting the way you as... say that when an industry yeah. turns on itself, it's an, it's a nice, yeah, I like how yeah. you say that. And yeah. Mm. Well, it is. I mean, it, it, it completely exposes something for what it is, because if mm. they can't uh, see it as anything other than 
uh, I suppose uh, murdering is what they call it, murdering animals for fun. Yeah. Um, then, 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 yeah, uh, it, it's it's uh, perplexing that that it still is out there. But what really I must just say, what 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 uh, concerns me the most is uh, a lot of the tourists um, out there who unwittingly come and participate, and then get um, told these stories about how these animals are going to be repopulating the wilderness and so don't worry come pet the cub because he's going to be released into the wild it's all going to be great so the lies for me are are, are really something that's even worse than the the act of 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 uh, the the guys saying these are for trophy hunting because at least they're not pretending um that it's something that it isn't they're saying the animal that you see is going to be murdered so, you know, but the, but the tourist who's walking with those cubs and petting those cubs doesn't know any better and actually thinks they're doing a good thing. Yeah. So, Kevin, uh, what, uh, what about, um, <clears throat> what, like, you know, you have these sort of marks, these stamps on food, you know, to say that it's such and such approved. Like, can they, yeah. is there such a thing where tourists can see, oh, this has got that stamp on, okay, go there, don't go yeah. there? Well, yes, true. The, look, the South African Tourism Association, um tried uh, to to put down some rule well just standards and norms like you know if a if a facility does x y or z then you know you should you should think a b or c mm. uh, because this is what what uh, is is happening or can be happening so there is definitely that there it's whether the tourist has the appetite to read those rules and 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 um norms and standards and and actually take to heart um and actually bother because what happens now you know i said it's all very well but uh we can have our moral high ground um but now especially now with COVID 19 having hit and now tourism let's say say tourism opens up Mm. and and you're an ethical tour guide Mm -hmm. and you know what goes on but your tour your, your your um your tourist comes and says listen um john can you take us to go and play with some lion cubs? We believe that that's the great thing to do. Now, John says, you know, guys, it's not really ethical, and this is what happens. And then they say, well, John, we hear what you're saying, but we'd still like to go and check it out. Can you take us? Mm. Now, what does John do who hasn't had work for so long? Does he make, you know, does he draw the line in the sand and say, well, I'm going to go without because I believe strongly in this issue? Mm -hmm. Or does he go, or does he go, you know, I've warned them, I've cautioned them, that's the best I can do. Okay, hop in the car, let's go. And he takes them there. Um, and that's what happens, um, unfortunately. And I think it's only going to be it's only going to be worse. And then confounded by that. So you're referring he, to just like a general sort of tour guide in a city, right? Like so he's not associated to any particular game farm no, or just yeah. No, he's not. No, he's not associated to the the place. I mean, obviously, yeah. if the guide's associated with the place, then then he's going to tell the tourist anything they want to hear. Yeah. You know, the tourist is going to say, "I want to go and uh, walk with lions." He's going to go, "Ah, oh, no, the best place ever. The lions are ethically treated. They they get released into the wild, and the tourist's going to go, wonderful. Let's go.' Yeah. And that's that's how. It's, and that's what's happening. You know. So, so, so talk to me about your lines. So you've got the sanctuary. So, and, and just now I want to find out exactly how you started this or opened it, you know, stemming from the, the origin, and, or, or origin of the birds. But, um, like, 
how what can I picture? I mean, this is no. So what you can pick, you can picture basically. Uh, we 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 fall within a big five game reserve called Denner King. So Denner King's uh, a game oh, reserve. Oh, that's so funny. Yes. My my mom was looking at property there, and you're in Denner King. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So we're in Denner King towards the towards the southeastern corner, and uh, so the sanctuary is uh, just uh, it's just that it's 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 a bunch of habitats enclosed for. Groups of lions, uh, normally two to six, depending on the the, the, the makeup, the, the you know the the relationships and the uh, the structures. And uh, I have 24 lions, 11 spotted hyenas, two striped hyenas, and four leopards. Um, okay. And and they're all they all they're all part of you know the, this kind of industry whereby if they weren't um, in my care, they probably would have been hunted by now. Yeah. Or they would have been used if they were the females. They would have been used as breeding machines until they were no longer um, able to breed. Yeah. Um, so fortunately now, and I say fortunately, a lot of my lines are are, are coming on in age. And in fact, the first line that are uh, the first two lines that I ever met and started working with back in 1998 have have subsequently passed on of old age. Yeah. Um, so, which was quite a it was quite a, um, a, a, a it was a, a memorable um, mark or an indelible mark in my life because when I started working with the lions, I promised to look after them too until their dying days, not mm -hmm. realizing the commitment that I was making yeah. as a young boy, 20, 22, 23 year old. Um, and then when I was able to fulfill that promise, yeah. Um, it was quite an achievement. So when people say to me, well, what, what's, a, what's, what, what's your biggest achievement? And they think it's going to be X, Y, or Z. And I go, it was fulfilling that promise. <laughs> yeah. Because, because it was a big, big promise to, to, to make. And um, so when Tao and Napoleon, Tao died at 21, and uh, Napoleon lived to 16. Yeah. And so if you, anyone who's looked after a dog, properly for its entire yeah, life yeah, yeah. It's a, sure. you, you realize it's a commitment but now a lion you can times that by several fold because it's not a dog yeah they eat a hell of a lot more don't they <laughs> <laughs> they do <laughs> so just um factually so how big is this piece of land so the land that we are on is a thousand one hundred and seventy eight hectares okay. out of out of Denner king's total um, enclosed size of, of about 21,000 hectares mm -hmm. um, and the sanctuary uh, probably takes up about a hundred of that in terms of hectares okay um, and and so yeah each line area is about a hectare some of them are slightly bigger 1.5 hectares and you separate and them right they have to be otherwise yeah. they'll just kill each exactly, other exactly yeah. yeah they not yeah. lines are not you know, you can't just put 24 lines in one big area. They're not team players. <laughs> yeah, they're not team players. And they, they like who they like. And that, that's, you know, that's that's an interesting um, dynamic because a lot of people see me and say, well, why do the lions accept you, but they don't accept their fellow species? Mm. So why why would, a, and I, it boggles my mind too, you know, because mm. why would this lion who sees this human, this bipedal creature as as its friend, want to kill the lion next door that's actually its own species and it's purely because of relationships and bonds trust so, like yeah. i don't it's true yeah i don't see the lion as as a lion as a people see a lion i see it as like probably more as a person would see their 
their dog, even if it's a if, if it's even if it's a, a perceived to be dangerous breed like a pit bull. Mm. Um, I think pit, no pit bull owner looks at its um, um, dog and says, "You're a killer dog." That yes, you're a killer dog, and you're gonna one day is one day. You're just waiting to you're biding your time. You know? Yeah. Listen, my so, brother, my brother's a pit bull. Yeah, he's had just we. we We've just had a whole bunch of pit bull puppies at home and he's, you talk about dogs and he is, I mean, since he was a tiny little boy, just, yeah, has this affinity with dogs. And, you know, that's something I've also learned, you know, having grown up with pit bulls and staffies and sort of more the, yeah, the more, yeah, the more, you know, what people perceive as dangerous dogs, you know, but yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. So interestingly enough, I've, I've come from, uh, this is my, I, I have two dogs at the moment. One is a Staffy and one is a Pitbull. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, cool. And, and, and prior oh, you could have that, just got some puppies if I knew. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, no more dogs for me. Yeah, okay. No more lions, no more hyenas, no more leopards, no more dogs, no more fish, no more nothing. No, no, I'm, no, I'm, nothing. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> but, um... But I had a I had a staffy and a and a pit bull before these two, yeah. Um, and and for many years, and I can tell you now the the pit bull was the nicest dog I've ever met in my life. Yeah. And that that basically pushed us to get another one when when those two passed on, uh, we got the combo again of the staffy and the pit bull. And this sta- this pit bull that I have now is also the nicest dog you will ever come across. And mm. the problem with with pit bulls, as we know. Is that they have the a capability to be aggressive, if the owner brings that out in them and 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 brings them up that way. Yeah. But if you bring up a pit bull or amongst kids and around family and you treat it like a like one of the family, they are the nicest family dogs. In fact, my pit bull is a lap dog. It it, it doesn't. Yeah, my uh, brother's as well. Think it, yeah, it's it's strange because people see these dogs and they they tense up and then they see this dog just wants to sit on your lap and lick your face yeah um and that that's you know it's really i'm an advocate uh, uh, for for pit bulls as a breed i mean they are the, the problem with them is that they've got a bad reputation just like spotted hyenas um because of people mm. not because of them well they mirror they're a direct they're a ref- absolute reflection of their boss yes yeah and i i mean so that that speaks volumes you know yeah. if you meet somebody who's got one and they are super aggro, you could probably just look at the, the person who looks after them and, uh, and see the same. Yeah. Yeah. So what, talk to me about the, the, the transition between the birds and exactly what were you doing with birds? And then how did that lead to you meeting these two lions? (laughs) Yeah. So, so when I was very young, uh, about three, four years of age, I, I remember raising a baby bird with my my father. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, so that was a, 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 a vivid kind of you know memory mm-hmm. um, of 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 just um, nurturing, and and I liked that whole um, ability to nurture because I grew up in the suburbs, mm. uh, and and so the suburbs wildlife, of Joburg, right? Joburg, Orange Grove, yeah. Okay. And and so that for me it was wasn't exactly like we went to the Kruger Park every weekend or we had just wilderness on our doorstep that I could be introduced to to wildlife. Wildlife was introduced to me through birds, wild birds in the back garden. What and, birds um, were they? 
Oh, well, all sorts of birds. Uh, bulbuls and mouse birds and weavers and okay. doves and, you know, any bird. And eventually it got to the point where any bird that was injured in Orange Grove would get brought to my house. And, <laughs> Cute. And, yeah, so I became known as the Birdman of Orange Grove. And, oh, wow. And, and so that was what I started to almost like run this rehabilitation kind of bird sanctuary uh, out my back garden yeah. and in my, in my bedroom. And, and so, yeah, it just, my love of birds was always there and I was fascinated by birds and I still to this day, I think birds are just incredible creatures um, because not only are they truly free mm. um, in terms of they're not accepting for the ones that are obviously caged, mm. uh, but wild birds are truly free and they have this choice yeah. to really go wherever. Yeah. But they also have this intelligence to realize that living amongst and around people can be beneficial. So birds are really smart. I mean, you look at weavers, they always, they're not, they're not going to say, oh, okay, the population of people are here in the suburbs. So let's move our families out into the wilderness. So we away from these people. Mm. You find that they build their nests right, you know, outside your house. Sure. All the birds move in because they understand the benefits. There's, well, they build their nest uh, on the house, in the house, should we say? Sort in of, the in, house, on yeah. the house, under the house, under, you know, yeah. next to the house. It's, it's, it's really smart in terms of they use people's infrastructure for their own benefit. And then they live off people too, mm. in the sense that, you know, people then put out fruit and seed and, mm. and, and there's always scraps and stuff lying around from, from people. So, you know, you look at pigeons living in the city, mm. how they've adapted. Um, and, and so, yeah, birds. That's I, a pretty cool expression mm. you just said there, by the way. Um, What's that? Well, that that birds live off people. It just it just makes me question and wonder because mm. people are you know screwing up the universe basically, huh? With all their pollution <laughs> and all that nonsense. So yeah. it just makes me yeah. wonder, like if you know if you could throw that out as a sort of um, sort of a brainstorm or like a you know test project, like mm. how can you create a universe where nature lives off people like how can yeah, you reverse well, it's that it's well it's symbiosis i mean it's symbiotic relationships so yeah. everyone gets something out of it why do we not just eradicate birds loving in and amongst our houses because we love to see them mm. we like the colors we like the sounds we we, we we that's what humans do they sit there and they go what's beneficial to me so it's beneficial for, as soon as the birds are not beneficial i.e pigeons living in the city um, crapping all over the windowsills mm. and, and uh, you know, all over the buildings, suddenly now there's these extermination programs. It, you know, it, people call pigeons living in the city flying rats mm. um, because they want to, you know, they, there's that negative association, rats, uh, uh, you know, thrive off, 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 human, off, off urbanization. Mm. Carry diseases, and, et cetera. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> so, so symbiosis, and, and this is the problem with, with, with um, overpopulation, is the, the sense that it would be, it's a romantic um, uh, notion to think that we can all just live in harmony and the elephant walks through our back garden and, you know, it, it doesn't eat too many oranges off the tree, it just eats one or two and leaves the rest for us and mm. so we're all happy. Because, no, when it comes to living in true wilderness, Firstly, predators are, are, are a problem because they are perceived to be dangerous. Um, and then mega herbivores also can be a problem because they're also dangerous and they also 
can just be destructive and eat and and consume your crops and your your fruit and destroy your fences and your you name it you know mm. so there's this conflict and this is the age old problem that we're facing in Africa where we see wilderness systems um that are being degraded and and wildlife dying out is because of this conflict mm. and so this you know this modern new age kind of conservation i suppose it's not really new age is this realization that if we don't conserve and protect habitat in general we're not going to have any wildlife yeah so so we need to do that actively and then there's many conflicting uh, thought processes as to how it should be done you know is, is it this kind of south african model whereby we have the kruger park and, yeah. and you drive you drive into the park and you keep people away from animals and animals away from people mm. um or is it this unless of um, course you're visiting the park in sort of the controlled dynamic that people do right so but in general yeah. people don't live in the park it's about you come you pay you go yes. go, go go on your game drives the clever people yep. stay in their car and you leave exactly versus the east african kind of model which is struggling in which the there's no um, physical boundary between uh, parks and people. Mm. So you, you you often are getting now with uh, you know pressures on on prey species and over over poaching in areas for subsistence or even for the bushmeat trade. And now predators are starting to have to venture further to get um, food, and yeah. they're coming more and more into conflict with people. And obviously, when that happens, they get uh, the short end of the stick. Yeah, and um, and so, you know, ultimately they get uh, persecuted so severely, and and their numbers decrease. And so there's arguments as to, you know, what do what do we what what is the best we can hope for twenty years from now? Yeah. But what do you mean they get persecuted? Who gets persecuted? Well, the people think they've been persecuted by the animals. Yeah. Because you know, you 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 grow crops on the fringes of a of a of a wilderness area, yeah. and there's no boundaries. You're going to attract a few. <laughs> A few animals, you know, yeah. what, what, including elephants, but mm. monkeys and porcupines and warthogs and all of these animals are going to come and go, oh, wow, look at that. Mm. Somebody's uh, let the cookie jar open. Yeah. Um, and if you're a lion and you, you know, you, you see you haven't eaten in a week and you see this uh, herd of cattle grazing in the in the wilderness. Hey, gee, whiskers, killing a cow is, is, is wonderful. Yeah. It doesn't put up too much of a fight. And uh, it's it's good uh, it's good meat. It's uh, it's been sold you for a while. But is it not that South Africa has this model because it has more money to invest in this model? No, 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 not at all. I think this this model is, was adopted many many years ago um, in in South Africa. So if you think about South Africa and you think about all of our national parks and parks, they're all fenced off. Yeah. Um, and so you know if you look at um, if you go further north and and into some of these areas, there's there's all all that de designated is like a buffer zone, mm. but there's no there's no definitive um, uh, or finite area, this fenced off kind of area. So, yeah, it's going to obviously fencing off areas costs tons of money too. But um, I suppose um, one has to look at. Uh, the pros versus the cons, and uh, in my mind's eye, the the model that seems to be um, a success is the Kruger kind of park model, which is, you know, it's not completely perfect because there are the borders are sometimes quite porous because 
uh, fences are only as good as their maintenance. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, large um, swathes of fences get, or, 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 or um, large meters or kilometers of fences get stolen. Yeah. Um, because that's a big problem. So, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you look, Zimbabwe, uh, South Africa, for example, I mean, if we didn't have these closures, like, I just, I don't see these animals existing nowadays. Unfortunately, I think, yeah, it's going to get more and more problematic because as uh, poverty increases and humans explode and, you know, the eight, eight point something billion people becomes nine billion Mm. And plus, 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 and, uh, you know, resources are getting scarce and getting, uh, it's getting tougher in some places. Mm. Um, then, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult grind. Yeah. So, yeah. So just quickly then, do you think Corona has a sort of metaphorical um, benefits in this dynamic based on just what you said? Yeah, sure. Um, or should I say philosophical, it. you know, a sort of a deeper <laughs> meaning to it? Well, on many levels, uh, sure. Uh, because I, could, I think what, what, what has been uh, patently clear is that as, when, when the lockdown in the world was, was, um, was very strict um, and, and no one was, was moving around, mm. uh, we saw all these videos and pictures circulating on animals starting to, you know, go to areas where they had once uh, been before, but had been pushed out because of human um, uh, presence. Mm. Uh, and so, so we see how quickly nature consumes or re, re, reclaims, let's use that word, yeah. um, areas where humans once were. Yeah. And that plants, planted a seed in many people's heads saying, well, we have been really unkind and, and, and actually this um, this virus has, in many respects, been perpetuated by us and our own greed yeah. for overconsumption. Mm. And so we start to see, including myself, um, who's conscious of it on a daily basis because of my work, we start to see ourselves being more conscious about our decisions. So if one thing, or if anything, coronavirus has definitely created a more conscious world We've, and consciousness is a good thing because the moment you become conscious of something you then have the ability to do something about it yeah but if you if you you know walking around uh, just being unconscious of, of of your impact then then you 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 know you don't know the detriment mm. you just are oblivious you, mm. ignorance is bliss so, well, yeah. and it's like what you said earlier, you personally, you said you like to evolve. It's really important for you. And by being conscious, you suddenly realize just how much you don't know and just how much you need to do, like how much work needs to be done. But that is evolution, right? I mean, seeing exactly. that, recognizing that, knowing it and seeing the mountain ahead of you is a part of development and growth, but you need to climb that bloody mountain. Otherwise, you don't develop and grow. Yeah. And look, a lot of people don't want to climb the mountain. They want the easy route. They mm. want to get to the top of the mountain, uh, but they don't want to climb it. Yeah. So, you know, just, just, you know, you talk about a simple thing like consciousness of, of utilization of water, yeah. which is uh, becoming a scarce uh, commodity, um, a, scarce, a scarce natural resource. Um, and you look at just in your own home and you say to your kids, 
guys, why are you showering for 10 minutes? You know, mm. you're just wasting drinking water. I mean, what really um, <laughs> has shocked me. Yeah, sorry. It's, it's shocked. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. When I think about it, still to this day around the world, we flush our toilets with drinking water. Yeah. We flush our toilets yeah, with drinking is, water. That Are is you absurd, kidding right? me? Yeah. It's absurd. Why don't I mean, we flush we, it we with sh- our drain water? Yeah. Or something. Why, why is there not this uh, modification of houses uh, that we, we, we flush our excrement with, you know, water that's, that's uh, used already, mm. that's not drinkable? Mm. Um, or, or even showering. We shower in drinking water. Yeah. We, sh- we, 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 we waste so much water. It's unbelievable. And just when, once you start to make the kids conscious, I, you know, I said to my kids, let's put buckets in the shower when we shower. And we, let's see how many buckets of water we waste by showering. Yeah. And, you know, we had, we had like five-liter five, uh, five buckets full, you know, just, just from a quick – and that wasn't even catching all the water. That's just catching so some just of it. So just explain your shower to me because if, if I think about my shower, there's no ways I'm going to catch it with a bucket. <laughs> okay, so you got a tiny little shower. So our shower is not – No, no, no. Cool. I've got a pretty – no, I've got a very nice shower. Oh, but I'm just wondering, okay. it's not hanging on a cliff. So where's the water? How are you going to catch it in a bucket? No, so you just do this. Do okay? you stand in a bucket? Get, get, what do you do? No, no, no. You don't stand in the bucket. So you stand where you stand. Yeah. You put buckets around you. Yeah. Okay. So oh, you, I you, see. You, and let the wasted, yeah. the sort of the, yes. the, the other water yes. fall around you yes. into these buckets. Correct. It's Correct. a cool experiment, that. And watch, watch how much water. We filled five, five liter buckets. That's 25. I'm going to do water. that actually. Both my kids Don't jumped in the shower with me this morning and they, you know, so they had their bath last night, you know, but I was like, okay, cool. Come whatever. But, um, I actually also say to my daughter now, cause we have one of those beautiful round sort of oval big sort of bath tubs, you know, and, but it freaks me out when I see anybody filling it. It's a luxury bath, but it just freaks me out if I see people filling it you know, too high. To, to capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah that really like, uh, other than the fact that I think it's going to fall through the 18th century floor that I have, it uh, it, it just looks so heavy, but um, mm. it just looks like a hell of a lot of water. But I say to my daughter, like I said, okay, can you stop? Like, just stop with the water now. You can't tell your two-year-old to keep, you know, stopping. It's crazy, but, no. you know, she says, but why, <laughs> you why, can why? Start. <laughs> you can start. No, exactly. And I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I said, because, and you know, I never want to uh, want them to grow up sort of with this mind of scarcity, right? So it's always finding that balance between teaching, educating them um, about things, but also not to make them think that there's scarce, you know, I don't want them to have this sense of scarcity, you know, do you understand what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. And I think it's, it's, it's a balance between yeah. not wanting to them to, to feel um, that that this is you know something that's not going to be there but also um, making them aware that this is not just a, something that comes out of a tap yeah they need to understand the the, the, the the they do need to on the other hand understand the scarcity of water yeah so they mustn't be panicked about it but but they will because then you start to have this generation of anxiety and, and, fear scared, and, and living in scarcity exactly which yeah. is it's yeah. like you said living in fear it's the same has the same negative impact yeah but yeah but, but so consciousness again if they're conscious about where water comes from why we shouldn't waste water um and all of that yeah that, that's that's for me is like imperative that it should be taught at at school level at primary pre-primary sure. school level yeah, yeah the but, fact they, that, but it isn't 
Yeah, and you pay for it. Like they don't understand yeah. that actually. So, you know, to teach them that life cycle of that, okay, well, mommy and daddy, you know, we work, but, you know, obviously I, they know why I interview. You know, I, we do what we love, but through that, then you generate an income. And then through that with the money, then you, you know, you pay for things like your water and you pay for things like that or like that, you know, so that they mm. understand that sort of life cycle of exactly just existence i suppose you know what i mean of of how well that there you've just you know you've just explained consciousness because that's what you're teaching them yeah. you're teaching them to be conscious about what what they utilize yeah um and that you know the old um kind of uh, adage money doesn't grow on trees which my mother used to just jump drum into my head without <laughs> explanation yeah um it, you know it, it's kind of like you know, duh, money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah. But, 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 the, <laughs> exactly. but, the, but the, 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 the her, you know, the, the underlying message being waste not, want not. Yeah. And um, that's, that's certainly, you know, something that you can instill in your kids. Yeah. So go back now. So you were a bird man in Orange Grove and you had all these birds and everyone brought these birds to you that needed help or that had fallen from a tree maybe or so, yeah, carry on with that. Like, where did yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that was my, my childhood into my teens. And then in my teens, I, I kind of did what teenagers do. Um, well, not all teenagers, but... Mm. I kind of, I kind of, um, my, my, my old man passed away when, when I was 13. So it wow. was pretty much at, at an age where you, you kind of, dad. <laughs> you need a dad. Yeah. yeah. And, and so you kind of, uh, wayward. And, and so I went, went a bit off the rails and, and, uh, partying and crazy, crazy high school. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so only settled down towards the end of my high school, um, and, and managed to get through high school funny enough which was good without uh, flunking. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, so animals got put on the back burner a bit. Um, and, and then I was reunited. What happened to all these birds? No, well, by, by then, I mean, by, by, by the time I was 13, 14, you know, many of them had passed or been released or some, some were, were you know, uh, not, uh, not around anymore. So, Mm. Yeah, it was basically, I always had birds. I mean, so even, even in those years, I always had some birds that are, that I looked after like, yeah. you know, African greys and, and Senegal parrots and all of that kind of wow. jazz. But, yeah. but certainly, certainly wasn't paying them nowhere near enough the attention that they probably needed through those periods. Mm. You know, it was about being selfish, a uh, selfish uh, teenager. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that that kind of um, petered out when when I when I actually I met a, a girl and her her dad was a, a the very, other kind um, of bird. <laughs> yeah, I met the other kind of bird, and her father was uh, he was a very uh, well known uh, martial artist in South Africa at the time. Mm. His name is Stan Schmidt, and okay. he he was he was revered and 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 uh, in fact. Um, you know, when, when you mentioned the name, the shivers ran through some young boy's spines because now you're going out with Stan Schmidt's daughter. Yeah. Spell disaster if you mistreat her. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> but, but he, he actually was a very, um, humble, lovely, uh, mentor kind of figure. Yeah. And, and, and almost, uh, became a father-like figure to me too. 
And uh, so, yeah, kind of, he was the one that would have those philosophical conversations about, yeah, you, you're so good with birds and animals, so why, 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 you know, aren't you doing it? And slowly but surely, got back into it, and then, yeah, um, later on, when but I exactly when age, was this? So, because you, you, you 16, say you, okay, 16, 17. So yeah. this is now at the age also where you you're gonna leave school. No, Correct. Yeah, 17, 18. Yeah, so 17, so. 18, yeah. Yeah, so 16, I met her. And uh, yeah, then then started to get back 17, 18, you know. Then that's the time you leave school, start to think about your your university if, you know, that's the route and uh, go from there. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, then, so he encouraged yeah. you by making you aware <clears throat> again of of yourself, yes. actually. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just, Just kind of, I think what every young boy probably needs is a father figure to guide mm. somebody to look up to somebody who is successful in his own right. Um, I think that was important maybe for me yeah. um, because I didn't kind of want to look up to somebody who I perceived to be a misfit. Mm. Um, uh, you know, you want to look up to somebody who other people look up to mm. and, uh, and, and somebody who, who was certainly not arrogant um, at all. So, you know, had every reason to walk around all puffed up, but didn't, and mm. was so well respected and revered um, in his in his industry um, that that I found that really intriguing. And you know, when I met him, I had all these preconceived ideas as to who he was, but then saw who he really was, mm. and that was that was wonderful. So yeah, good good. Um, a good uh, fortuitous meeting on my part uh, in my life because who knows what or where. That's amazing. <laughs> what, you know, and that's the thing about life is it's interesting. You know, people come across our paths for good reason. And yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, and sometimes we just ignore them, which is I always say to young people, you know, don't, don't just, um, you know, close doors because it's not in the direction <clears throat> that you feel you want to go. Yeah. Um, you should go and, exp you know, I was at, at, at a, you know, later teen age, later on in my teens, I was very, um, I've always been in, in, an inquisitive uh, person. I've mm. always had an inquiring mind. So, mm. you know, so, so those, you know, anything that piqued my interest, I would go and check it out and kind of see where it led, you know, so. And even, but even during <clears throat> that sort of rebellious stage, would, would you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, during my rebellious stage, I was probably always trying, trying different things. Um, but, but certainly, uh, look, always knowing uh, ultimately right from wrong. I think those are the fundamentals are that are taught to us when we are young. And, yeah. And we kind of then, we kind of then have these moral kind of, um, you know, these moral lines that mm. we don't like to, to to cross, even though sometimes we do cross them. Um, but then there's the conscience that gets the better of us and 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 haunts us a bit, you know. Mm. I think the the big worry is, is is if you cross a a line and you don't have that conscience, mm. you, just, you know, you don't care. That, that that should be there should be a red flag waving. <laughs> yeah. Have you got an example you want to share with us with that? Well, I mean, you know, and, and nicking your sister's car while she's sleeping. <laughs> And taking it when you're underaged, 
when you're underage and don't have a license. Yeah. That, that, that's the kind of thing. So knowing that you're doing wrong, but it's innocent in the sense that you're not deliberately trying to hurt anyone. Um, it's not deliberate, like being sp uh, horrible to somebody or spiteful, but, but yeah, it's not, not right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good and, enough example. <laughs> yeah, no, it's no, but just to understand, you know, you, it, yeah. yeah, what you mean. Yeah. It gives a, it gives mm. a, a nice depth, but, um, mm. all right. So a, a quick question. Did you ever go back to Stan or, cause I mean, you're not married to that woman, His right? Daughter. No, no. Um, so, so they immigrated to Australia, um, in, 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 uh, oh, I can't remember probably the early two thousands, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, but I remained, uh, friends and in contact up until his passing last year. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he, he was uh, quite, quite aged, but, um, the the friendship was always there mm. and so he he remained a good good father figure friend uh even though he were it was a distant kind of relationship yeah. and every time i went to australia i'd make a point of going to see them oh so, wow. yeah mm. so it was a, the foundations were set yeah yeah so okay so he said listen you know well he kind of got you back in touch with who you were and and then so what did you study uh, so I went to study uh, bachelor of science zoology and and anatomy and physiology and, yeah and so at Vitz that was or the, way at 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 Vitz. yeah and then I had the idea that I was going to be a vet because I thought that would be the right thing being yes. a person who likes animals uh, let's go and be a vet and but honestly uh the, the the studying for me uh, to be the to be a vet um, I, I don't know if I had the the, the kind of um, patience power, the, the, yeah the, the willpower to see it through for its entirety it was really maybe not 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 for me um, but I did I did I completed my BSc mm. um, which was a good foundation so I did my BSc in in uh, anatomy and physiology. And, uh, yeah, then I decided after that, that it, it was also at a time in my life where, where, you know, I always say to people, it wasn't, um, university, I, I had to, uh, borrow money and do student loans and uh, try and get bursaries and stuff. So, um, it was, you know, all of this pressure of paying back loans and, and getting yourself into more and more debt that you had no idea how you were going to pay back. Yeah. Um, and, and so eventually it got to a point where I, I, in my third year, I said, well, look, I've got to go and, I've got to go and get a job because I can't continue like this. And so, yeah, but got a, got work in the exercise field and started, uh, utilizing my, my knowledge in the, the physiology side to an anatomy, um, to do exercise physiology. Yeah, and so then got involved because the family that that was um, I was involved with Stan Schmidt's family nat naturally being karate and oh, all of that. Okay. It was exercise family. Yeah, the martial arts. So got involved in that and then started doing some training of people and and that was good money to 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 um, to start out with. It was yeah, probably more money than I'd ever seen. You know. Yeah. Um, and so trained people. And it's it's the interesting thing. It's the conundrum because the money is there, but the satisfaction is not. 
Um, and certainly training the average Joe who wanted to come to you to lose some weight. Um, it's kind of felt like that person who wants to summit the mountain but doesn't want to climb it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, well, we briefly so, spoke about this last week when we had a quick chat because, uh, well, exactly. yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, yeah. It, and it's immensely frustrating because, um, you know, when somebody comes in to a, a facility and shows you a picture of back in the day, Cindy Crawford in a bikini <laughs> and says, I want to look like that. And, and then you look and you go like, okay, how do I let this person down? you know, gently. Yeah. Um, um, because, because, because you just want to say, listen, my sweetie, you're never going to look like that. <laughs> but, but, uh, especially considering the fact that you want to continue doing what you're doing, but you, yet you want to look like that. So you want to come and burn 150 calories in the gym, Yeah. but then you want to go and eat 2000. Yeah, you know, or as my brother come. says, huh? Because I told you he he owns a mm. personal training gym, or 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 go and have your glass of wine at lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, sure. <clears throat> you know, so to look good um, is a lifestyle. It's not just a flash in the pan. Come to come to your personal train. Your personal trainer is not a miracle worker, by the way. Yeah, I mean they 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 are merely a person there that can try and motivate you to getting into. Uh, doing something and, and living a certain way, but the physical exertion has to come from you. Yeah. And you know, if you're cheating yourself, you see some people come and they just go through the motions. Yeah. And you go like, okay, well, good luck. <laughs> Shame. And there you're standing thinking, oh my God, I've got to see this person again. And we're you're getting thinking, nowhere. What am I doing here? <laughs> you're thinking, what am I doing here? But and that, that's exactly up to the point where I got involved with working with the Lions because when I started working with the Lions, I realized mm. that. You know the lions want nothing from you. They, 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 they all they all they're showing you is unconditional kind of enjoyment and 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 love being love being around you. You know, there's this mm. this. Uh, it's almost you know. I'm not going to say it's exactly like a dog, whereby a dog's unconditional love, uh, but but these these animals are not wanting anything specific from you, other than it's cool to see you and you you're you bring good things to their lives. And that was quite kind of uh, refreshing and, and invigorating. So what exactly was then that meeting point with these two lions? Well, I got, I got um, one of my clients bought a lion park. Ah, and, so you uh, actually uh, met these yes. lions through one of your clients through personal Correct. training. And that's why I say to the youth, don't ever close the doors because wow. you never know uh, where you might land up. Awesome. Uh, because of what you're doing, you know. So, and that that was that was uh, so true in my case. You know, I wouldn't be talking to you today if it wasn't for that meeting. That is unbelievable. Um, yeah. So your 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 kind of your destiny uh, in a, in a sense, um, you know, it it is um, dictated and determined by by these chance meetings of these people. Yeah. And, and, and certainly, and certainly not, not, you know, what I do say from there is that when somebody says to you, come and uh, check out this facility, you have the, 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 the decision to make as to whether you do or don't. So I often say to many people, uh, there's, I often say to people, there were many people who had the same opportunity as I had to do what I did but they didn't do it in the same way. 
um, you, you get what I'm saying. No, so I get exactly what there. you're saying, yeah, which is going to yeah. lead me to another question, but carry on. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you know, you go, many people in the world are presented with the same opportunities, but they do differently with those same opportunities. Sure. It's like and what you were talking the, about with social media. It's what you do with yes, it. And, you know, everyone exactly. has the opportunity with social media, but how do you keep people's attention? How? It's the how you going to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you, 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 you hit the nail on the head there because with, with social media, uh, I know what pictures resonate. Mm. So if I post a picture of me with a lion and the lion's licking my head, I know that that, that picture is going to get the most likes. Yeah. But that's not what, um, that's not what it, it should uh, be about. It's, it, you shouldn't, in my, this is from my perspective, if your social media is about just getting likes, um, then, then, okay, it's really for you, that's, that's how, how you use it, but that's not for me. So I know that I have to, populate my, my feed with with stuff that people are not necessarily going to like mm. but it's you know and then I know it's not going to get hundreds of thousands of likes because it's just not what stops somebody from scrolling through this endless feed of you know thousands and thousands and thousands of people who they follow just on the one platform yeah and now they're going to go and replicate that on TikTok on YouTube on Twitter on mm. Facebook I'm like Really, people? Do you, do you even have the uh, um, time? Where do you find the time? Yeah. To, to, so, <laughs> anyway, so yeah. it's crazy. So anyway, where do you find the time to get your guard doors and, and just breathe? But yeah. So so I understand that. So you have to be careful about what you populate these these social feeds with. Yeah. But so yeah, so through this client, you he opened he started a, he bought a lion farm. You said. Yeah. Yeah, he bought a lion park. It was a well-known park in South Africa at the time. It's been around since the 60s. Yeah. Um, and and so it was a park that in my, my youth growing up, I knew of. Um, yeah, what was it called? And, uh, the lion park. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it had a very famous location and, you know, just by, by virtue of how long it had been there for. It it's not, doesn't landmark. exist anymore. It moved. Okay. It moved. Yeah. But um, unfortunately, the business model hasn't evolved and it still does the same thing. Um, and that's the problem, is that the evolution, at, at a point in time, it probably served a purpose. But, but with, um, you know, what's gone on in the world and, and how we are, are a little bit more perceptive as to what's, what's uh, behind every business, and we, there's a lot of questioning as to, and rightfully so, as to the treatment and welfare and care of animals, um, there, you know, I don't know. I feel I like you're think... you're sort of being careful with your wording. Are you or not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I've always had a. Um, this is one thing I will say. I don't outwardly go out on on platforms and and bash businesses or people or because I think. Um, I think you need to uh, wear their shoes to understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. And so, so yes, I think one should be careful about their, their wording and about how they uh, talk about something mm -hmm. uh, because it's all about perspective. Yeah. Uh, and this is, this is my perspective. Um, it was something that I outdrew and something that I realized was, was not how the, the future, the future should look for me. 
because of of this whole industry that I talked about earlier. Yes. Um, I did not want to be a person who says I love lions and then know that the facility that I'm working for is contributing to that. Um, contributing by, to then the lions going and sort of yes, going onto game farms you, to be shot for trophies. Because if, if you're breeding lions perpetually, okay, and you're breeding them for um, a period of their lives where people pay money to come and, and play with, mm. that's only a three-month period between the ages of, say, three months and six months. Yes. Um, now you've got to look at the long term of that lion. Now, as you know, I've got lions. Some of my lions are lived to 21. That's a long time. To, to, so if you're perpetually breeding and you've got all these little mouths to feed, what happens to them when they're too old to be petted? Yeah. You can't, you can't tell me that you, you, you're perpetually now building more and more and more areas so that these lions can all live out wonderful lives. Mm. because that, that, that can't happen either because if you know what it takes just to look after 24 lions properly, and I think 24 is quite a, quite a few lions to look after mm. myself. Um, now, what do you do when you're telling me you've got 84, 100, 200 lions? How do you even get to know who these 200 lions are on a daily basis? How do you even know if, they, if they're doing okay? How do you fulfill their, their requirements and their needs? So what happens is that these lines um, will will slip through the cracks, so to speak, and land up being sold to 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 places that process them yeah. into into trophies, basically. Mm. How much does it so, cost to up to keep twenty four lions and feed them a month? Oh, you know, anywhere between. I mean, it's it's not just uh, food, uh, Jen. It's uh, veterinary bills, sure. it's enclosure maintenance. It's going. Yeah, to yeah, the food. whole it's thing. A, yeah, I mean, it could could it could range anywhere from two hundred and fifty thousand to four hundred thousand yeah. a month, depending and, on the month. And know? what do you feed them? Um, so mainly the. Which is the actually why we're able to talk today, because <laughs> they're yes, being fed. It's eating day, exactly. <laughs> So, so yeah, they, they basically we we uh, will will feed them any any carcass that is um, obviously within the, the 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 realms of what they eat. Um, so horses, donkeys, cows, pigs, sheep, you name it, uh, we we can feed that and game because obviously being being part of a, a, a game reserve, there are people around that that will phone and say they have. Um, carcasses for us to collect mm. so we offer that as a as a, a service so to speak to the surrounding areas so, <laughs> we offer a rubbish dump service <laughs> yeah well yeah we kind of like the the grim reapers of, of the of the animal world yeah, but yeah that's that's what but they, just to go back because you said horses etc now to just the innocent Ooh. ear that can sound really scary so maybe you just want to Ooh. clarify that well let me clarify it it is quite scary because you know Another uh, uh, food for thought is, you know, today's pet horse becomes tomorrow's lion fodder, and 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 purely from a from a perspective of that, horses are extremely expensive to keep. So when when COVID hit, it was really sad because we were getting calls left, right, and centre for people putting their horses down um, because they can't afford to keep them and no one wants them. Oh my gosh! Um, really? Yeah. So, 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 talk about perspective. But no one, no one ever wants to think about that. Mm. Think about when COVID hit and there was the lockdown. Horse racing came to a grinding halt. 
Now these horses, horses are not earning income. So horse owners were like, well, get rid of them. And so I mean, what is the alternative? We well, you know, it, it, it is a good question. I don't know. I, I'm just saying. I mean, so if you think about many, in many respects, animal ownership and, and keeping animals, it, it's, it's not just um, a, 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 what do you call it, a, a, a decision that's made on a whim. Mm. It should be something that, that is thought about into the future. And it's not always the case. So, look, COVID was a, a, an exception to the rule. But often throughout the year, we get calls from people. And uh, the, the, the question is, is, so what's the matter with the horse? Because uh, we have to know if the horse had some kind of a disease exactly, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they go, no, nothing. So then why, why is the horse going to be put down? Oh, no, we're emigrating we or we're moving or we can't look after it. Mm. Like, what? I could never do that to my dog. Or my, my cat. I know. Imagine, imagine that now COVID hits and the lions are, 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 you know, they're a burden and it's costing a lot of money. And now I'm saying, okay, well, I'm going to put down the oldest 10 lions. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. But Okay, but anyway. actually just, I mean, since you're just talking about it, I mean, but mm. hypothetically, mm. um. So okay, so th this is quite a straightforward question, but okay, so how do you make your money? Oh, we make it through all sorts of avenues, you know. So obviously, one of the big um, contributors was volunteerism. The volunteers would be coming, so that came to a grinding halt when yeah. uh, when uh, COVID hit. Yeah. Uh, day tourists was also something that would contribute. That came to a grinding halt. Yeah. But um, you know the. The, the, the different mechanisms that I've, I've always utilized the animals in, in uh, different activities like uh, the, like doing some commercial shooting, uh, some photographic shoots, okay. um, YouTube channel that I run, uh, which I've taken criticism for because yeah. you know, people are going, oh, you, you're exploiting the animals. Well, at least now my animals are able to live during COVID. Whereas other places are now are really, I don't know, they're living from hand to mouth. And we're fortunate enough to know that the animals that have contributed, i.e. lions that have been on YouTube or been doing things, have contributed to their, their cousins staying afloat uh, during this time. So I've always had that attitude mm. that these animals are in captivity anyway. So if, they, if, I, if I walk a lion from left to right in a, in a film shoot, uh, versus doing it for a documentary, what's the difference? You know, the lion doesn't go, oh, it's for a film shoot, so therefore you're exploiting me. Yeah. But, oh, it's for a documentary, therefore it's educational, so that's okay. Okay. Um, but you know, so this so, is so where this... you've had a, a bit of a wrap. But so um, going back then to, to the uh, beginning, so you met these two lions and then mm. – um, you realized you were working in the lion farm, but this wasn't for you ethically because these lions were ending up being, yeah, bait. Um, so then how did you start your own sanctuary? Yeah, well, I mean, so it's not a, so, so a lot of people would like to believe it's a light bulb moment and it just, and then the next day you wake up and you move on. <laughs> it's not as easy And you steal two lions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't true by then. I mean, by then, uh, you know, by the time uh, I'd uh, kind of um, 
mustered up all the mechanisms and means to do what I felt was necessary to do. Yeah. It was way more than two lions. It was okay. It was a whole menagerie. Yeah. So it was not as easy as, as everyone would like to believe. I mean, when I tell my life story, it's almost like a proceed version because yeah. there's so many other dynamics at play. You know, sure. The guy who, who ran the place was not an evil, horrible person. What he was doing maybe was not nice, but the actual person wasn't um, wasn't that so bad, you know. So now you're breaking relationships with people, and you you don't even own the animals. I didn't own the animals at the time when when I started to realize what was going on. Yeah. So it's a whole progression of how do I firstly start? How do I get control and ownership? Mm-hmm. How do I then? I've got no money, so how would I now? just move uh, all these animals if I owned them and build all these enclosures and buy all this land. I mean, think about it. It's not like I had a rich uh, daddy who could just write a check. Yeah. And I certainly didn't have some sugar mommy who, who could do the same. <laughs> yeah. So, so it didn't, it was a progression of thinking as to how one goes about um removing themselves and and progressing in mm-hmm. the direction that they want to go and that's the story of 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 my my kind of career uh, to, to date you know whereby you're constantly on this path of 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 evolution mm-hmm. but so how did you then how did you start your own sanctuary so i in 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 uh, 2004 2005 the 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 owner of the park wanted to make a, a film, a feature film. Mm-hmm. And so I saw that as an opportunity to um, get some more control. Mm-hmm. And and so we struck a deal in, in terms of that I would produce the film and I would uh, help with the animal work on the film. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and But in, in, in lieu of that, I would get ownership. And so the agreement was co-ownership. So that was the first step. Of what? Ownership of animals. Of the animals? Move, yes, in my care. And so those animals then would be uh, um, housed on a different property where we were going to do the film. And then the idea in my mind's eye was for the film to be a huge success that I had a share in. And then I would be able to uh, implement the rest of my plan. Yeah. <laughs> but... but <laughs> But life, life is uh, never works out that way. And um, the, the film, film was, was a failure. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> it. The film was not a success. Yeah, uh, and for many, many reasons. But but uh, yeah, it was. Let's put it that way. It wasn't the Hollywood blockbuster that uh, that I would have hoped it would be. Was it a Hollywood and, uh, production? That was a feature film. Um, yeah, but uh, was it a Hollywood or was it a local no, production? No, no, no. It was, it was, no, local, local. Yeah. Everything local, locally produced. And um, But that set the wheels in motion, you know, as you mature and as you evolve and develop through these trials and tribulations, you start mm. to put the pieces of the puzzle together and then you start to understand where where the um, um, the outlet is. And so that's, that was the progression of eventually getting to a point where in um, – in about 2010, uh, after also trying unsuccessfully to to convert the the thinking process of the park and to tell you know to to, to basically push for um, stopping the cub petting, which was 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 a probably one of the 
things that I pushed for very hard is to say, listen, we need to, you, you guys need to rethink the, the model. And uh, yeah, with certain amount of effectiveness up until a point where I think the business uh, realized that it would be no business if it didn't offer that um, petting to, to, to the public because mm. that was such a big component of the business. Mm -hmm. And so that was the, the def definitive writing on the wall. You know? So about between 2010 and 2012 was the relocation, whereby we decided that, you know, we needed to, to move apart mm -hmm. and, um, and go our separate ways. And so that, that was the beginning of, of where I started the sanctuary, where I am to, today. And then, so just to sum this up, so basically, it was that film that uh, that gave the sort of brainwave and was the initiative of them bringing the lines across to the, the other park where you are now. Yes. No, and, no, not where I, it was another park. It okay. Wasn't where I am now. All right. So another, another piece of land and you were going to f shoot this film. The film wasn't yep. a big success. So you obviously didn't get the money and the shares and the, and the financial support that you were hoping to get. But so yep. you stayed, you stayed on this land still within the premise and under the terms of what it was, which was this whole petting procedure to then become bait at the end, so to speak. No, no, you see that. So then the place where the animals had moved to, yeah, um, where it wasn't part of that mm -hmm. and it had nothing to do with that. So about in 2005, uh, it had already, uh, I'd already separated out from being part of that whole um, uh, business, the yeah. line park business. But but there was association through the, the one person. Yeah, and okay. That was always, that was, a feel, that was an uncomfortable feeling because even though the animals that were in my care um, were seemingly safe, mm. um, it, it, it is the knowledge that the other place that you know um, and you know is what's going on, uh, we're not safe. So, yeah. so that was the, that was a hard thing always to reconcile. Um, and, and so that was, you know, hence why the, the, the need to, to be in control, uh, to be con in control yeah. of your own destiny and yeah. of, of the animals lives, because that and was to the, be, yeah. the only way. To be in alignment yeah. with your own consciousness, right? You're to be. hundred percent. Yeah. So I always say, I mean, you, you need to go to bed uh, at night sleeping um, clear, conscience yeah. clear. Yeah. And and I think those years were difficult years because although you were you, you, your your uh, intentions were pure, mm. the conscience was clouded because you actually were in a situation where it wasn't black and white as most people would love to believe. Mm. You know, a lot of people would go, oh, if, 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 if you see that that is like that, why don't you just pack your bags and go? Mm. And it's almost like saying to an abused woman, why don't you just pack up and leave? Yeah. You know, and, and then when you get down to the nitty gritty, there's things like financial support and insecurity and anxiety. And about, children uh, and schools and, children, and locations well, and family. Well, and, there yeah. we go. There we go. So, so you know the, the drill. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I don't know the drill by by knowing it, but I understand it, yeah. But thank thank okay. God touch wood. But um but the thing is, so in two thousand and five, that's when you moved them across. But that so that's when the film was, right? Yeah, more or less. Between two thousand and five. But so I mean like this sounds like seriously, to my ear, this sounds like freaking crazy that he would let you take how many lines did you take across? About thirty thirty eight. 
out of? Oh, no. The, the Lion Park probably has or had about 100. Seriously? Mm-hmm. So you took about 38 across. All right. So um, were they all small then? No, no. Some were big okay. lines. I mean, the line but, grows quickly, eh? <laughs> but so he must have been pretty sold down, down the street with this film to have have thought that actually this is a good deal. Yeah, well, it was it, it was many many fold, and and one one uh, was yes, a it was his idea to make the film, so it was yeah, it was definitely. Oh, I see. So it was, it was his idea. Yes. Was it, it a was romance? What film was it? No, it was a film about a lion growing up, a little lion born into the wild, okay, um, and and his trials and tribulations. You know, basically a coming of age. Okay. Film. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, I see what you mean. A bit like the Lion yeah. King, but you know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Real, that... real love Lion King kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, which by the way, the new Lion King. Oh my word! That like is as good as freaking real, right? Have you seen it? Uh, I haven't seen the full film, but I've seen bits and parts. The the uh, the, the animation is outstanding. Yeah. Look, to somebody who who doesn't know lions, yes. But yeah. Okay. Somebody who does. <laughs> exactly. How no. we talking to you? Yeah, sure. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So you and moved talk, them. Ac- talking, talking real lines is a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I <laughs> but, but it's amazing how people just overlook that. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. So you moved them across then, but, but, but then you had ownership. So the petting pop, Parts, although you still had people petting, but then you were in control. No, no petting. Okay, so no, no more petting. And, and you moved them across. No pet, yeah, and no, and I wasn't in control because I had I was co-owner, and and I was still very hugely reliant on on uh, the funding, and also reliant on on doing other work to fund it. And so, I what did you need to do? Other, well, other. Other uh, uh, filming kind of uh, okay. jobs thereby, you know, people would come perform. We did volunteers, started the volunteer kind of projects and stuff yeah. like that. So it was this evolution away from uh, this this relying on uh, on breeding lines for petting to uh, derive an income. Yeah, that was my my big issue back back then. But but the bigger the the, the issue coupled with that was was the whole canned hunting story too yeah the, the the what happens to once once they get older yeah and and, and, and you know again I, I obviously will will be criticized and have been for um only uh being concerned about the lions that i looked after and i i, I just always am quite perplexed because you know 38 lions back then was was also a lot of responsibility but um you can't the realization is that you can't um rescue them all and mm. therefore the the solution really is to stop it um and so how do you how does one stop it you have to you know a stop breeding them and uh, then b um then b the government needs to put into some uh, put in some regulations that stop the tourists from um, petting them. Mm. But Kevin, and what so, about? Okay, so you don't pet now, right? So no, people just come no. and they come onto your sanctuary as if they're in in a game reserve, and then they see them from a distance. 
Yeah, all, all the lines have been spayed, by, A, so they were in contraception. Yeah. But then we decided spaying them is just more finite and and it, it at least stops it in its tracks. Yeah. Um, so the idea was never to uh, increase the population and get more and more and more. Yeah. And and so the, the population in my care is actually aging. I mean, the... The lions are all, most of them are post 12. Yeah. And and most of them are in their, you know, 15, 16, 17s. Um, and that's that's nearing nearing the end. And, and so that's, that's why you said no more. Like you've done once, no once they die. Done, 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 done. So once, you know, for example, over the last uh, year, we've lost quite a few uh, to, to age-related illnesses and other cancers and leukemias and stuff like that mm. um which is sad to see your your family diminishing but but on the other side you you're happy to know that this is stopping so the once the sanctuary ends once there's no more we i will utilize those facilities to um i'll offer them up and you know speaking to a, a, a well-known wildlife vet about a, a, a legitimate rehabilitation facility where the only animals that you will take in are animals that will be released. There'll be no, it's not human, yeah. there's no human contact. It's not yeah. to cuddle a, a cuddle They'll be released back into the wild. Correct. So that's an interim uh, area to let them either overcome their illness or in a tran uh, transitory yeah. phase of, of where they're going um, uh, to, to, to facilitate that yeah and then once 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 uh that's that then they released and that's that then the area frees up again um it'll be no there will be no more personal relationships yeah um, so these lines are still you know, the lions from the 30 odd that you took back in yeah, 2005 yeah, yeah. wow yeah okay yeah. yeah yeah so then i mean sure i mean wow so now we're in yeah. 2020 yeah. So then <laughs> when did you time. move across to Dinner King? In 2012. Okay. And then when did you separate from this guy? Well, the, 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 the writing was on the wall in about 2008, nine. Yeah. There was kind of like this disconnect, this uncomfortable, I would, I would say, this uncomfortable relationship whereby you just kind of coexist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but there's no, there's no uh, future. Mm -hmm. And then eventually the future is the writing on the wall, which says it's either A or B and one needs to, it's almost, again, I use the analogy. It's almost that, that failed uh, marriage <laughs> yeah. where you just live under the same roof, but you don't um, actually even communicate yeah there, there was a very it was it got to that it, and it always but will, this is a very you know? interesting point in your life and a lot of people you know who are listening now you know are uh, they know that you know people always get to this crossroad where they have to make an a or b decision or you know where they get to a point where they have to say let go you know for the greater good of themselves and then therefore in the end for the greater good of people around them and society as a whole you know because when you make the right choices as a human being it affects it's a ripple effect it affects the whole world you know so choosing your career and having the ethics that back up your decisions in your career is, is so incredibly 
incredibly important and you talk about you know sleeping at night with with a clear conscience and you know clear conscience is not just doing good in life clear conscience is also doing what's right by your heart and that yeah. doesn't have to be saving the world in in the literal sense but you save the world by being true to yourself because if you genuinely are true to yourself you will only ever do good because the heart will only ever want good for itself and the people around it right yeah look i think exactly i mean you you have you, the the intentions are everything and i think as i said earlier i think you know deep down when we where you've crossed that that moral uh, or that high watermark that you've set mm. that level where you say well you know i don't i can't keep on doing i can't keep on doing this because it's so it's tell me exactly how wrong. yeah how did you how did you literally make that and 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 carry that decision out I went away on uh, vacation and I came back to find out that two lionesses that I had a very deep uh, bond with had been sold. Sure. And, and so I made a, uh, I, I, I made a stink to get them back. And so eventually uh, it was agreed that I could get them back and I had to go and, and uh, I had to go to the facility where they were, uh, sold to to um, identify them and bring them home mm. and and that was a, a big defining moment uh, because it was I suppose this realization to 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 see what you had heard but now to see it for your for yourself mm-hmm. and to see a lion a lion farm that was uh, prepping for hunting mm. and to to know that these two lionesses, one of which is still in my care mm. and now almost 18 years of age, she would have been, she would have been killed and she would have been a endless lion producing machine. She would have been a battery, I call her a battery lion, mm. like a battery chicken. Exactly. Just yeah. popping out cubs. Yeah. And her, her and her sister, Megan Amy, and that was a defining moment, but it wasn't a, a moment whereby now I knew that I could come home and just pack my bags and put all the lines on the back of a truck and leave. Yeah. It, it was a lot more complex than that because there was a lot of, <laughs> I a see lot a, of a Leon Schuster movie playing out there. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> no, no, it was, it, it, it was that, but that was always the, 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 the seed had been planted and was germinating mm. that, you know, I had a choice in the sense that I could continue down this road mm-hmm. and, and, and turn a blind eye, um, as so many do. Um, or I could start to plot a way forward that that was true to myself. And that was the difficult part. And, and it was okay, a but long you, time. You got, these, you got these lines back. Mm. All right. Well done, by the way, for okay. fighting for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, where were they then? Where, who were they sold to? Where did they go? Yeah, it's not necessary to mention the facility. Oh, okay. but it was a, it was a notorious, uh, notorious breeding ground for breeder. for the battery battery line life. Okay, no, so well, he did both. There was they did both. You yeah. Know? So there was definitely the, the the aspect of hunting as well as the or, or murdering and and also the um, breeding. Yeah. So you got them back, and now you're back. Well, back in your 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 interim uh, property, mm. 
um, the place where you're this, shooting this, the film. No, no, this was before that. Okay, so before that, but I mean, yeah, okay, but you, I'm, I'm saying, when did you actually really cut ties? Because no, no, so that was the start because the whole the, the the cutting of the ties is when you you say to that person, okay, I'm taking these lines here on my own without any support from you, mm. and uh, and you you can do with what do do as you please yeah. with the rest of your life. That was in twenty. Uh, the decision was made in 2011. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, the length of time it takes. Wow. It took. And then when you did say and literally cut the ties, what what had to happen? I mean, and that's what I want to, like, exactly how right. did you cut the tie? Like, that must have been a huge. No, it was a divorce. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. I want to know exactly how, how you cut that tie because I can hear this is your whole life investment in, in love. Yeah, well, and... it's, it's an ac acrimonious divorce, to, to uh, put it mildly. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a history. And you can't just bury a history that you have with, a, with someone. So it's a, it's a very um, uh, it, it's a very uh, profound it has a profound effect on, on one's life because yeah. it's the end of a chapter yeah um, and the beginning of a new one mm. um, and 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 a lot of unknowns um, obviously but uh, yeah that's that's uh, it it's yeah it's not something it's not something that somebody wants to just always talk about all the, the uglies on a on a on no, a but podcast. I, I, it's a, you know, no, the exactly. of your divorce. No, it's um, it's just put it this way. It's not. It never. You you would always imagine how something should be, and then how it actually plays out. Two different things. Um, but yeah, put it that way. It was the it was a close a, a, a definitive. Uh, closing of a chapter yeah but uh, what i'm what i'm more um interested in is the empowering elements you know just for everyone also listening who who knows that they have this platform which is the platform that got them to where they are now but they realize that this is no longer the platform that is serving them yeah, yeah. right which is your situation how do you how did you actually cut the tie like, I don't want to know all the bad stuff. I just want to know, no, like, just, you know, did you go, literally, did you go yes, have a bottle physical. of whiskey and then go say, listen, no. dude, I'm out of here. Like, no, no. what did you do? No, yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's, it's a physical conversation. It's like, well, then you, if you don't like how I conduct myself, then go and do it on your own. And the answer was, okay, I will. <laughs> so it was a lot of uh, reverse psychology playing out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of threats and a lot of, um, okay. you know, that kind of thing. And, and so you get to a point where you've heard the threats before, but, but the, the, the realization is that it's time. It's, it's like that lion, that two-year-old lion knowing that it's time to go on, out on his own. Yeah. He, he knows. He tries his luck, and, and, and then the day that it comes – then he knows. There he goes. There's just no, no one questioning it. It just happens. That's nice. Wow. So anyway, so then you, you know, you guys split ways, but then yeah, that came through series of conversations. So it wasn't like one day you had to pluck up the courage to say, listen, you know, it's time for me to go. 
No, one always has to pluck up the courage because it's it's easier to not climb the mountain. Okay. Um, you know, so one always is it's kind of human nature. It's kind of what it, the what ifs. Mm. So, and uh, the unknowns, know, all these things yeah. that are haunting yeah. and scary. So to so go on your own, yeah, and but to go on your own, then did you need to get funding or you, I mean, you're suddenly now, uh, you know, a free bird? Yeah, look, so it's, it's a whole combination of looking into other um, partnerships and trying to hook up with people and and then ultimately uh, do that and and meet people and and utilize uh, relationships that you've forged. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's that, that, uh, how one goes about it. Yeah. <laughs> but so here you are and you've got your, you know, your sanctuary now. Uh, you've introduced hyenas. What was the other animal you said you introduced? Leopards. Leopards. Lion. Lion. Yeah, we know the lion, but leopards and <laughs> hyenas, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you you talk about then after this, this is it. I mean, to me that sounds like then this is this is the end of you as well. I mean, this is your life. No, no, it's not the end of me because I think uh, with a I don't mean it physically. I mean it no, emotionally. No, yes. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's it's the it's the end of another era. It's another. You see, that's the way I see it. It's the end of a. So it's a chapter, mm-hmm. another chapter, and mm-hmm. that chapter closes, and new one opens. You know. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I never look at life as if I looked at the end of my training career, uh, training people as as the end. You know, no, it wasn't. But... It was the end of one and the beginning of another. And then the, the, the Lion Park was the end of a, a, a chapter and the beginning of another. The film, I've got all these little chapters. And, then, yeah. and now when this sanctuary uh, comes to an end, I've got my foundation that I set up, the Kevin Richardson Foundation, which is doing wonderful work. And we, we really are, are pushing towards um, uh, doing more for wild populations of lions. Yeah, and to raising awareness as to the you know the this the sordid canned hunting industry, mm. and trying to educate through hopefully a podcast like this, where anyone who's listening is going to think twice when they come to South Africa, and they're not going to go and partake in that activity. Mm. Um, and that would be wonderful if I could win over one person, then that's made this podcast worthwhile. Um, and that's that's for me that that motivation. And when that all comes to an end. There's 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 uh, many other things to to explore. Uh, continuing the uh, plot of the wild wild line and and habitat loss and, yeah. and all of that. So you know one thing ends and other things starts, and that I'm looking forward to too. Yeah. And so then, what is your sort of heart's? If you look at the bigger picture of your life's journey, like what would you say your biggest heart's desire is? Um, I suppose the 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 big desire is to see the end to um, the canned hunting industry. Yeah, that would be a good. That would be a major um, desire fulfilled. Yeah, to see a stable uh, population, if not increasing population of of wild lions and habitat that wild lions occupy, mm-hmm. and not just actually you know lion, but animals to see a more of a the stabilization of that in the world as as we the world we live in. Yeah. To see that there is this 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 change instead of what's happening is that there's this whole 
um, there's this whole kind of thing that's been going on for, 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 for many decades where we kind of repeat the same rhetoric, mm-hmm. but, but, and it happens in every aspect. And then, and yet everything is diminishing. If you look at um, habitat, look at animals, different species, we see a trend of decreasing numbers and um, yeah, that, that's, uh, but yet a year on year, the same, um, the, the same things are said. Mm-hmm. So that, and that's hence we talked about it earlier about COVID is that I, 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 I thought for, for a, 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 a little while that perhaps this would be the beginning of change, but humans are very uh, set in their ways and they, 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 they don't change easily. Mm. <clears throat> so, you know, sometimes the change has got to be forcible. What we have shown is that if we, if we just lock down the whole world for, 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 for let's say three days a month, the impacts on the environment would be huge. Yeah. But we'll, ne- we'll never do that. Because it's all about the money mm. when things are operating um, full steam ahead. Mm. Yeah. So they, yeah, there's, there's there's much to be achieved, and those those are the desires. But the legacy would be more about um, you know doing good for lions. Do yeah. no doing good for lions. You know, if, if it had to be remembered, I wouldn't want to be remembered as the guy that the lions jumped on and licked and that that uh, that crazy guy. Yeah. It would be better better to have something more meaningful. And so there's definitely uh, a move towards that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, sharing your story and, you know, communicating with people, you obviously have your platform and, you know, you get people like myself who want to help you share your story because, you know, my platform's also about, you know, really encouraging people to connect with their truth by listening to people like yourself, you know, hearing your story of how difficult it's, been also you know to get to to do the right thing to do what's Mm. true to you you know the true to yourself is not an easy journey and people think you know it's oh go and do what you love follow your passion and absolutely but it's not an easy journey to take um so you know what like what would you want people to if you could so by telling and sharing your story just as much as like you are through your your platforms what do you want people to do i think uh, um, people need to listen to their call to action Uh, i think they you know everyone has a strong feeling about something but then they don't do anything about it Mm -hmm. and and there's always this feeling of being held to ransom because there's for every person who's done something great there's been you'll know you'll hear their story of how they were held back by someone yeah. Um, because somebody either wanted to see them fail or wanted to control them or didn't want them to succeed. That's been the story of, of my life. Uh, many of the, 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 the people out there who, who uh, dislike me, because you'll always, as soon as you rise to a certain level, a certain level of notoriety, you're going to find uh, there's a large amount of people out there who don't like you. Sure. Uh, for, no, for no reason. Because they've never ever actually l- listened to your story or bothered to actually talk to you, mm-hmm. but but they have this narrative in their head. So I, I say to people, don't you know, don't listen to that. Um, if you um, if you felt like completely powerless, 
don't don't worry. Uh, there's many people who have done good things that have felt the same, mm. and uh, have felt you know felt uh, uh, felt that they've been held to ransom. But you you need to cross over um, to to the to the other side. You need to cross that threshold. And once you cross that threshold, then it becomes easier. It's getting to make a decision to cross that threshold. You know. Mm. So um, ultimately, I mean, you're you're also wanting to use your platform to inspire people to connect with their truth. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, you, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, I often say to people, "What is your Megan Amy moment?" Yeah. Um, because my Megan Amy moment was that. Was yeah, that those time, two time lines when life. they were sold. Correct. It was a Megan Amy moment, and 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 so. It, it puts the wheels in motion um, uh, for, the, for the things. And it's not just, it's a slow grind. You know, that's what people don't understand. I think they, they think that everything just happens quickly. Things happen, is, when, when things are complicated, they happen very slowly. But as long as they're happening, as long as there's a, if you look back five years and five years and five years, um, you see progress. Yeah, that's a nice. This, yeah. And rather than this, I see so many people who are uh, are friendly with me, friends of mine and acquaintances. Mm. And I, I look back five years, and they they they've done nothing. They they've been stagnant. Yeah. Um. And it's this, it's that same kind of thinking process of, of what we're talking about with with the wildlife. It's you look back five years, and actually you see a regression. Mm. You know, you don't see progress. You see mm. a regression. So. Yeah, I, th I think despite having encounter, encountered uh, your choir of critics who are always going to be there, who are questioning everything you do and stand for and everything you say and do, you just need to kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, call it entering into a cave. You get into a cave where you uh, you, you, you um, just isolate yourself from everyone else mm. and then you you change your, your, uh, your ideas and perspectives and you kind of then – Come out when you eventually come out of that cave, you realize, um, you know, you, you have you have you have a few lessons from that cave that you you kind of are now more resilient. You you've got courage, uh, humility, optimism. I mean, you know, you feel conviction, respect, all of that. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, I think we all have the ability to be the author of our own kind of story. And, yeah. And uh, but whether we choose to or not, it's uh, it is a choice. You know, a mm -hmm. lot of people say we don't have choice in the matter, but we do have choice. Um, it's whether we we make the right or wrong choice. And yeah, I've, you often will hear me say I've, I've made many choices that were wrong. Yeah. But but I don't I don't necessarily see that as bad. Wrong is not necessarily bad because if you've made a wrong choice, it does give it opportunity to. Um, understand where you went wrong and make you know make it right when you are, are faced with a, a similar choice in the future. You, know, you see what I'm saying? So it, it's a constant evolution. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, your foundation is so. Where can people find that? Yeah. So it's also website, uh, social media. It's basically just www.kevinrichardsonfoundation.org. Okay. And uh, on social media, it's the same. It's just Kevin Richardson Foundation. Okay. Um, and, and yeah. 
but then the but the lion whisperer essay that's your instagram handle yeah that's more that's you see the lion whisperer handle was more of a brand that came kind of came about because of the work gave, yeah. gave the audience and then the yeah. following to then establish the foundation and to do yeah um all the things that i wanted to do yeah um, so the brand still basically is the lion whisperer but but um it's it's just was easier because there's so many Kevin Richardsons out there, uh, the Backstreet Boy, and and footballers, and <laughs> so basically, okay. so basically, make you know we talk about the Lion Whisperer, then people know okay, it's not the Backstreet Boy. Yeah, you know, so that's hence that <laughs> distinction. But just because I know that this is so important to you, but uh, uh, like I mentioned it earlier, so I'm just. You know, I, I, like I spoke about, you know, having these labels nowadays, you know, food is all about labels and especially like sort of the bio labels and the, you know, biological or what do you call it, uh, organic or, you know, yeah. it's being produced without pesticides or, you know, we can have these labels like surely with your foundation, there's a way you can create a label, like some label that people can identify with without and I'm, I'm excluding the government and um you know, especially like, um, I don't know, can't you create a commercial label, especially also with this movie that came out, the tiger guy, whatever that was like, yeah, there must be some way, you know, getting a whole bunch of celebrities together or whatever. And you create like a stamp, you know, like a label. Yeah. Look, yeah, I, I hear you. And, and it's, it's very interesting because, um, working with people is, is very interesting. Um, I found that, um, the the way uh, the way I've kind of gone in the path in the past, my path has been kind of like that lone lion, mm. that lion that's been ousted yeah. and now has to go and figure it all out himself. Mm. Um, and and so I find when when you know you you would think that it makes absolute sense to just align with people who have the same ideals and mm -hmm. we all just kind of uh, band together, but one of the clickiest um, kind of uh, arenas that you could ever find yourself in is the, the arena of conservation. Yeah. Everyone is very opinionated and uh, they have their own uh, uh, views. And if you deviate or if you do something that they don't approve of, you are alienated. Yeah. And certain clicks click together. They have their little clicks, like the little gang at school. Yeah. And and you, you if you don't abide by all their, their regulations and rules, you're not part of their clique. And so and and the same with celebrities. I find many celebrities have their own agendas. Mm -hmm. You know, so they have the things that they're extremely passionate about. And so, what we found as a foundation, well, well, we have no doubt that we'll align with whoever wants to align. We we don't we don't um, preclude you because mm -hmm. of, because you deviate. Um, and, and that's, that's really what we're about, but whether you agree with how we go about it or not, we continuing yeah. and we will, we, you know, we'll continue that. We used to being, uh, doing it alone and we'll, so it's nothing new to us and we'll continue to do it alone if need be. But if there's strength in numbers, fantastic. If not, we'll plot along and we'll continue to try and make a difference so that five years from now, when I look back. We can say, look, look what the foundation did in the last five years. Yeah. Um, it's more than some of the bigger names that you hear of have done in 10 years. Yeah. That's progress. That's good. So we always need to keep on 
looking and and seeing and measuring up and yeah. judging ourselves. Yeah. We are we are our own worst critics. Is that's that's what I, I like to uh, to be. I like to look back and say, yeah, we could have done this better, or we could have done that, or yeah. let's try this, or let's try that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so the foundation definitely is a big uh, part of my future. Yeah. Well, it's been, yeah, it's been so, so nice to, you know, hear your story. And what I really like is how, you know, you, yeah, you recognize, you know, I think like for me, what's so poignant with your story is recognizing in life, you know, and also sharing this message that you must never turn down opportunities and, Mm. you know, and also that when, when you know that there's little, um, it's actually funny because I just put a little post on my, on my Instagram saying it all starts with a whisper, you know, and um, when you start recognizing that whisper, like you, you started having these whispers huh, for you, but it was really when, when Megan and Amy were sold, that was sort of the, yeah, exactly. that, that was the, you know, cause often we get these whispers, but we don't answer to them. So then it takes a, uh, uh, you know, the universe crashing down on us or in your case, Megan and Amy Sunny being sold to really wake us up, you know? Um, and I, ideally, you don't really want to wait for that moment um, because often those moments aren't always recoverable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. your case, you were lucky that you could get them back. But Yeah, but I mean, even even so, you know, you, you kind of look back and say you could, you could have done X, Y, and Z differently. But, you know... absolutely but right but right now to the people we're talking to our messages or certainly through also hearing your message it's definitely if you have a whisper then go do something about it right listen to it it. absolutely yeah exactly exactly don't be don't be afraid of it i mean we need to yeah um I, I love this quote by there's a it's a guy called Baba Diem. He is a, a, a Senegalese forester, forestry engineer back in the sixties. Yeah. And he he said in the end, we will conserve only what we love, and we will love only what we understand, and we will understand only what we are taught. Yeah. And and when you think about if I think about my work and my walk. You know, uh, I only, you know, would I would I be talking about lion conservation if I didn't fall in love with two lions, and if I didn't come to understand what was going on, you know, how how would I have made a difference, and how would I have come to a point where I can now teach others mm. uh, as to you know understand the complexities of it all mm. uh, but also the wrongs of their ways if they, they do certain things so mm. you know it's 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 such a true thing and and it's applicable to anything that we do if you think about it we only want to conserve the things we love and yeah. we only we only um we only will love what we understand in, in, in and and the understanding comes from being taught yeah so you know i see myself as a bit of a teacher in in the sense that I need to teach others out there who don't know mm. in a nice way. I don't want to ram things down their throats yeah. and tell them they're all horrible people. That's why I say, you know, to get onto this platform and start to, to point fingers and to judge people. No, is, no. Is not a, it's not a good. And I hear that so many times, Jen. I mean, I see people that get the platform to talk badly about others and they, they just sit there and they grab it with both hands. 
Yeah. Um, and it's, and I, I just cringe. I just yeah, cringe. But that's also, and for me too, this, this platform have for me on this platform, it's very much what I try and avoid is opinions as because opinions yes. can change. So for me, I'm interested, uh, yeah. I'm interested uh, yeah. in a story. I want to know the story. Yes. I'm not interested in bad, like, yeah, I mean, I don't even yes. nurture that. It's like I said to you earlier, I don't yeah. want to know the, the bad detail. I just want to know the empowering moment no. when yes. you decided to, to, to move, you know, because it's that yeah. information that will empower people. Bad mouthing and, and, and all those. And, and you talk you talk about the story. As I always say to people, well, there's there's always two stories, and then there's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and and so if you speak to you know maybe the opposite side, they will have their own version. And yeah. Say, yeah. Exactly. Oh, no, this is how it went down. Actually, if I tell you, but yeah. you know, it's it's uh, interesting. That's that's humans, uh, and yeah. It's what, what resonates, I suppose, and perspectives. Perspective is everything. Yeah. But it's really nice to sort of end on that notion of, you know, what what's that uh, Sen Senegalese you said? Yeah, he's a, he was a Senegalese forestry engineer. And, and what's he, his name? He, he, Baba Diom. How do you spell that? B-A-B-A, -A, Baba. Yeah. And Diom is D-I-O-U-M. Okay. Yeah, so I love that. So you only love what you preserve. You only preserve what you... No, what? no so in the end, he, he got up in, in, in front of the IUCN, I think it was, and he said at the end of the day, in the end, we will conserve only what we love. Um, we will love only what we understand, and we will understand only what we are taught. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Because people don't conserve what they don't love. I mean, let's face it. No, I, no, but I, exactly. And it's understanding. I mean, it's, you know, for me, I've started sort of expressing, not expressing, but just mentioning it more just because, you know, I, I lost a brother in, in actually in a, in a hunting accident. So, um, you know, I have a, Sorry. yeah, thanks. Um, so, you know, I have a profound, I've had my own profound moments, you know? So for mm. me, I, I understand the importance of people living a full life because you can just lose it, you know? So, oh gosh, I don't want to get emotional. <laughs> I never get emotional. Yes, like, talk. But anyway, <laughs> it's, um, it's so important, you know, that people do what they love and connect with their truth. And, um, and I, and I agree with, you, you know, you only will preserve what you love. So, but it's important to also own up to what you love, you know, and, and through that you will, also, like you said, you will start to learn, you know, you need to learn, you need to evolve in it and you need to climb that mountain. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, she's, I, we could talk for hours and I would, you know, I even like, obviously I want to go in and find out, you know, like, just tell me the most beautiful, just to really like get back our feet on the ground in terms of really like your, 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 the most of your days and your time with the lines, like what's been the most special thing that you've had? Just so I can feel a little bit of that essence of <clears throat> seeing you with the lions. Well, there's, there's, there's so many over the years, but you know, uh, in, in recent times, just, you know, walking with the pride of lions um, and, and uh, being accepted as if you were just one of them. Mm. I mean, it just, it, there's no, you can't explain it to, 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 to anyone. There's, you know, you're out there with six lions. There's two males, four females. 
you are the whatever the the third male or the mm-hmm. fifth female <laughs> it doesn't yeah, really matter yeah and they are not bothered at all by your presence in fact they are happy to be in your presence and you you're walking along and yeah it's just it's 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 a humbling it's a humbling uh, emotion and uh, you know they they these animals that people see so differently they see them through a different lens as to what i do mm. and uh it's you never get you never get used to it i suppose 22 years down the line i still look at that privilege and i think that's what it is is this pri- privilege in terms of uh, i suppose I, I would call it a god-given gift in terms of utilizing the gift to be able to uh, communicate with these animals on their level mm. um, because it's it's not everyone's cup of tea it's it, it can be <laughs> yeah. you know it, it, it's it's uh, it's like you know I always use motor racing as an example you know um, motor racing is not everyone's cup of tea but for those who do it it's the only life they know you know mm. so it's it's uh, it's important to just uh, I think from my perspective to end off to just say to have respect for everyone in the sense of what um you know resonates with them mm. um and and just to have respect for that you know it's not it's not going to be always your way you know my my idealistic ways or my thinking is not everyone's and i need to just be okay with that yeah um, so yeah yeah respect Mm-hmm. Yeah. We could just have more mutual respect because I think what's really spinning out of control is this anonymity in social media whereby you can just hurl abuse at whoever you feel like hurling abuse at and there's no uh, consequence. Mm. So, you know, if, if one can just, would you say the same things that you're hurling out on social media to that person face to face? And the answer is nine out of ten times no. Yeah. If, if you had to sit across the table from somebody, what would you say that? No, you wouldn't. So why write it on social? Yeah. Um. Well, just just on that mention anyway, because you talk about social media a lot. Just quickly, that's. Do you get this on your personal profile? On what? The, uh, do you get abuse on your profile on the no, line? No, 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 no. <clears throat> generally, uh, generally quite, um, quite tame and nice. Yeah. Unless you, you if you start to um, delve around in controversy, yeah, then then you are going to get some controversial comments, and then yeah. some people deal with uh, that in a in a diplomatic way. I'm all for p- people putting their their uh, opinions. Go mm. for it. That's what it's about. But yeah. There's ways and means of respecting somebody by in putting your opinion yeah you can respect somebody with your opinion or you can be abusive and that is the issue and yeah. i see it on many other platforms i, I just read with with interest oh, okay. staggered actually yeah hmm. sure thanks for this call kevin it's a pleasure. I, I appreciate the time and thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I hope, <laughs> I hope the audience can plod through two hours and 15 minutes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well you, that, that I mean, that's what, you, are, that, 
that that's yeah. my lesson is to teach people that they need to listen because we live in a world <laughs> where things are 10 minutes and five seconds, you know? So, um, you know, part of my job is to teach people that it's so important to listen to life stories. And, you know, yeah. I believe that when you do and you forget yourself that that's when, you know, these miracles happen within yourself because you're not busy with yourself all the time, you know? Yeah. So there's so much to yeah to gain from just letting go of yourself and listening to someone's someone else's story, and um, exactly. yeah. So you know that's no, what good. yeah that's what this is about, and uh, so well, yeah. Hopefully, it inspires somebody out there. <laughs> it will absolutely. Maybe. It will. Are you 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 know for me you 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 show you know you you show the rawness you know you show yourself and. Um, to the point where you don't even realize it. You know what I'm saying? Because you're just being yourself and you're just being completely natural about your life story. And, you know, that's, um, yeah, that's what people are looking for. And forget about what other people, you know, are looking for. That's that You don't want to do stuff for what other people are looking for. It's about just being yourself. And, um, yeah. That's, thank you. Yeah. So thank I you for your that. time. But you, your place is closer than mine. Kevin, thank you so much for that super cool conversation. Um, yeah, just so grateful for, you know, people like yourself who are, yeah, making themselves vulnerable every day um, because you're standing up for what you believe in. And as you said, you know, when you – when you start to stick out, then you really get, um, well, you can get a wave of criticism coming back to you. And yeah, there's just a lot more stones that, that can hit the people that are sticking out. And um, you're one of them and you're fighting and um, not fighting, but you're really, you know, sticking up for what you believe in. And there's nothing more commendable than that on one's life journey. So I just want to thank you. And I'm so grateful to have been a part of that, you know, for one little smidgen of your, yeah, of your evolutionary uh, timeline. So, um, yeah, guys, go check uh, Kevin out. If you go to Instagram, you'll find him there, the Line Whisperer essay. Um, obviously, just Google the Line Whisperer and you'll find Kevin. He's also got a YouTube channel. Find him there as well, the Line Whisperer. Uh, super cool guy, down to earth, as you can hear. Just loved it. So, yeah, thanks, Kevin. And now it's that time for me to introduce my next guest. So, the next guest on the show is Ed Stafford, a well known adventurer who has been, yeah, on Discovery Channel. He's broken the world Guinness record of walking the entire Amazon uh, River and uh, did that in two years. He's often featuring on different channels in the UK, also obviously Discovery, which is international. Um, but yeah, he shows up at different uh, adventure uh, programs. And um, yeah, super cool guy. What an awesome conversation. Um, he was actually sitting in his car while we were having this conversation because it was sort of the quietest place in the house. Um, and those of you who follow Ed know that he's about to, um, yeah, about to have three children with his wife being pregnant with twins. So yeah, busy guy. I was super grateful to squeeze in this conversation before the next phase of his life. But yeah, it's just really down to earth guy as well. And 
uh, unbelievable how open he is with his story. Uh, well, not unbelievable. I mean, it's just, it's amazing to bring these beautiful stories to the surface because you're seeing um, the person in, you know, what they're doing very much like Kevin now, you know, you see them in their role. And then when you hear their story, it just adds so much depth and gives so much inspiration and so much um, motivation to, to people's lives. You know, when you hear the journey that all of these adventurers and brave hearts have traveled. So check Ed out uh, on yeah Instagram or, or YouTube or whatever. I mean, he's got so many programs out there at the moment um, that you can look at. He, he even for 60 days went and lived with uh, the homeless on the streets and that was filmed in the UK. Um, but yeah, certainly his discovery, uh, uh, channel or this discovery program, which, which is what sort of kicked off his career in television was him walking, um, the entire Amazon. And yeah, he talks about that story and, and how that changed his life and, and how difficult that was at times and what he did to overcome that. And that's what also is so cool about his story is that we go into that. And I also really ask him, like, tell me, like, really, what do you do when you're in these vulnerable situations? Because he does talk about mental health and the challenges of mental health. I mean, just open story about all of these factors that I've just mentioned, you know, the journey, um, mental health comes in a lot into the conversation. He's a big advocate also for mental health and supporting that, that genre, you know, that's really close to his heart. Um, like protecting lions and being the voice of lions is Kevin's um, legacy, should we say. I think for, for Ed, it's definitely, well, bringing adventure into people's lives, but certainly um, supporting the mental health, um, yeah, the mental health industry. So just, uh, yeah, amazing story. So check in with that next week. And before I go, guys, don't forget, share this on with friends and family. Go to my Instagram, check me out there. Follow me, please. Send me a message if you want to connect. My email address is jen at inspirationalinterviews.com. As I always say, um, I do take requests for the show. I generally do not take one-on-one uh, -on -one requests because I do get quite a lot of them so I take requests through agents to come on the show and I also take requests via via like you know because I just get so many requests for people wanting to to be interviewed on the show but um, send me a message anyway jen at inspirationalinterviews.com and we can see what we can do uh, guys have an amazing week go connect with your truth go be brave this is an evolutionary process as Kevin talks about and um, yeah as I always say, see you on the flip side.